You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. And as we've been doing every Tuesday, former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels joins us. Sage, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Those were two uh, fantastic conference championship games, both in overtime, obviously. And, and now we have finally have a Super Bowl matchup after <coughs> what we've been doing this podcast now for six months or something. Yeah. Uh, this is the end of the road. And, uh, and two very, very good and very, very deserving football teams. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know that any of the four match or any of the potential matchups would have been bad ones. I mean, I thought the four right teams were in the, in the show, but this is going to be a lot of fun. And I want to start the show. I want to focus on the Rams a little bit. And I was sitting in my lazy boy. I wasn't there, but to me, I don't know that I've seen a game affected by crowd noise like the Rams going into New Orleans. I mean, the tackles couldn't talk to the guards. The, you know, when a closed huddle, they couldn't communicate in. Goff could barely hear his headset. You know, like, to overcome that, to me, was pretty remarkable early in the game. It was remarkable, and, and the Rams did a great job uh, in this football game. And, and to be able to come back, you know, listen, we, we could talk about the bad call with the pass interference. Yeah, I'm going to bring uh, that up for, at some for, point. But... For, for hours and hours, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the, the Rams still had to come back in that noise and, and, and get that field goal to put in overtime. Uh, obviously lost the coin toss, got a stop, and then went down and kicked that field goal. So, uh, you know, great job by the Rams overcoming a, a lot of obstacles. It's really, really tough to win in New Orleans in general. Uh, but I, as much as anybody, you know, with that 2009 season with Favre uh, in that championship game in New Orleans, understand playoff football in New Orleans. That that place truly is a home field. Kansas City a home field, too, big time. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that, that, that place is a really hard uh, uh, stadium to play in, to compete in, to communicate to your guards and your guards to your tackles. Uh, it is, it's, you can't hear anything uh, with the loudness of the Superdome. Yeah, and I thought Goff really showed up well in this game. You know, that I, not that I've had questions about him, but I've always kind of thought of him as somewhat of a fair weather quarterback, needs a running game, needs conditions to be not optimal, but favorable, you know, at this stage of his career. And to overcome the crowd noise and the, the circumstances around them, not much of a running game, I thought this was a real signature performance for the youngster. Oh, huge. And, yeah. and for a young guy, you know, third year, uh, it was the second year with this, uh, with McVeigh as the head coach, for him to now be in the Super Bowl, that's huge. Now, there also there is a window here, uh, and we've talked about this, on this show where, you know, the, the teams who have drafted a quarterback, whether he's the first pick of the draft or a second rounder or whatever, you know, Dak Prescott being later on, you've got this window where your quarterback is not making $25 million a year mm -hmm. or more, uh, which then adds, uh, you can add so many more pieces to the rest of the football team, sign an extra lineman here, sign a couple of guys here, uh, you know, add a player here with the trading, sign him to a big extension with it, which they did with Brandon Cook. So you can put more around that young quarterback. So yeah, he is progressing in a very good way. Obviously, uh, you know, two playoff games now and, 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 uh, this season played, played well, uh, and, and to go into that, those conditions and to pull out a win, pull out 
uh, you know, being behind and to come back, that's got to be huge for his you know, maturation process and him going forward. But at some point, you know, he is going to be a guy making $25, $30 million a year, and he's going to have to carry a little more load than he does now. Yeah, and a guy that they sort of shocked me was right before the season, they gave Todd Gurley big money before they had to. And I'm not saying they're regretting it by any means. I mean, he was great for the majority of the year. But something's going on there. I, I, what, what's your take on the Gurley situation? Um, I, I, it feels like it's going to come out after the after the pro or after the Super Bowl that he's getting a knee scoped, or you know, I mean, I understand C.J. Anderson has value and is an interior power runner, but he's not Todd Gurley. That's right, and and he's not the multiple threat that Gurley has been yeah. in his short career of uh, being a major part of the passing game as well. Yeah, there's there's something not right with Gurley. I can't imagine it's some, you know, off the field issue, no. like him being some sort of cancerous guy in the locker room or any of that stuff. Uh, it seems to me there's physically something not a hundred percent with him, and and uh, you know a lot of times teams don't want to divulge that information and i'm sure the rams are keeping some of that uh you know uh, under check and trying not to let that get out too much but obviously he's not the same dynamic weapon that he has been uh, a lot of his career now having this basically a bye week here that's got to be, be interesting that's yeah. gotta be big for both teams it's got to be big for him the, I, the rams need to have him as close to 100 percent as possible uh if they want to win this game yeah i mean i'm curious if you're belichick do you prepare like, you know, Gurley's going to be the man or that he's going to get 50% of the touches? Uh, th- that's interesting. I mean, it's a good point about the bye week because uh, I'm sure that'll do Gurley good if there are injuries the more. I mean, it, it, you, you can't believe that it's performance-based, though, either, right? No, I don't think so. Well, me on performance maybe is not as effective because of this injury. Right, so, right, right. Yeah, yeah. In a sense, it is performance-based, but... Um, I'll tell you what, what I believe Belichick is going to do, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more next week, Super Bowl week, but he's, they're going to load up and stop the run. They're going to say, you know, Los Angeles Rams, you're going to have to beat us with Jared Goff, mm-hmm. uh, who probably Belichick doesn't think is a great, great player. But you're going to have to beat us throwing the football, uh, and you're not going to beat us by you know, getting your quarterback in third and short situations or second medium situations. We're going to do everything we can to stop the run. Uh, and so you're going to be in second and 12, second and 10s, third and nines, force a quarterback uh, to consistently make uh, you know good throws and good reads and good conversions on third down. And I, I bet you the Patriots feel really good about that type of game plan. It'll be stop the run first and foremost uh, and make Jared Goff beat you. Yeah, and something's changed over the last couple of weeks. And some of it's because Cooper Cup's not there. And they are running the ball better and Anderson getting more touches. But this offense was more or less exclusively 11 personnel. You know, they would rotate their tight ends. Gurley was the back and three receivers. But over the last month, six weeks or so, we're seeing a lot more 12 personnel. And I think Higby and Everett are both deserving of playing time. You know, they're they're good football players. But I'm curious, you know, from... A quarterback, former player standpoint, I'm sure 99% of their practice time was dedicated to 11 personnel formations, runs, all those things. And to change it late in the season, what do you think that? What kind of effects do you think that has? Well, first, let's let's uh, to the listeners out there. 11 personnel, three wide receivers. Yeah. When they talk about personnel groups, they talk about uh, you know running backs first and tight ends second. So 11 personnel means one running back 
one tight end, which obviously then means three wide receivers, right? Uh, as you said, 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, then there'd be two wide receivers. Uh, uh, so, you know, I think what the Rams are doing, one, is they're trying to make the most of their personnel they do have, obviously having Cup out, uh, one of their better you know, wide receivers, that's not their best wide receiver, you know, that, that hurts that team. So rather than putting a, a, the, the fourth wide receiver, they're going with the second tight end a little bit more. Uh, but number two, and you see a lot of this with NFL teams down the stretch, second half of the year, last month of the year in the playoffs, you know, you, know, you could probably say, other than the Rams, a lot of teams going with two tight ends, a lot of teams going with two running backs. We're going to slow down this game. We're going to control the line of scrimmage. We're going to run the football. We're going to stay out of third and long situations. Uh, you saw the Patriots do it time and time again the other day. You know, they started off the, the entire first drive almost of running the football. It was fours. It was eights. It was fives. It was nines. They ran on a third and four. They had Tom Brady, and they ran a third and four for and converted on a first down. You don't see that uh, by NFL teams very often. The Patriots say, we're going to control the line of scrimmage. We're going to beat you up. We're going to consistently stay ahead of the sticks, not put ourselves in second, third, and long situations, expose our quarterback uh, to, to great pass rushers, uh, and, and sort of stay on course. And I think that's what the Rams are also doing a little bit more, again, with that personnel change with, with, Coop, with, uh, with Cup. Uh, but uh, we're going you know, to run the football. We're going to beat you up. And then we're going to do some more bootleg, uh, you know, naked bootleg game off of that, which you saw multiple times in that game. Yeah, I wanted to get to that. You kind of jumped ahead of what I had planned. I want to talk about the, the, the this usage of different personnel by the Patriots. Let's take a quick break and come back and harp on that a little bit more. All right, we are back, and you said it really well. I mean, no one's using a fullback like the, the Patriots are using Devlin. Gronk, I know he had a decent game, but he isn't the same receiver or mover He's a great blocker, though. And Dwayne Allen is a serviceable, if not better, blocker. He's good on the move. They have a variety of running backs. And they found their formula. I mean, they don't have a Josh Gordon. Their receivers in general, to me, their pass catchers outside of White and Edelman are ordinary or below average. I mean, it's not a good group. I'm curious... You know, what you think of how they've gone to this smash mouth style? Well, they've gone because they've got such a great quarterback that's so accurate that is yeah. the all time third down converter. And they've gone to a third down conversion team. And when you have the greatest quarterback of all time, the most accurate quarterback of all time, probably the best decision making quarterback of all time, the most clutch quarterback of all time, you go to that, you can go to that philosophy. Uh, they were 13 of 19, 19 third down uh, attempts the other day and 13 <laughs> conversions. And Amazing, a lot of those yeah. weren't, you know, they weren't third nines and tens. They were, they had no, uh, no negative plays in that game. How about that? 94 plays. Zero. Wow. I didn't know that. 94 plays, one kneel down as the lone exception as a negative yard run. So no sacks, no negative plays. What does that mean? You are staying on course you're getting in those third and shorts and third mediums, uh, which then you either run the football or, again, allow the greatest quarterback of all time to get you those completions. You know, Gary Kubiak used to say, you pay quarterbacks not to win football games necessarily. Uh, that's, a, well, that's a team thing, but to convert on third down. Converting on third down, that's what the good quarterbacks do, and that's what the bad quarterbacks don't do. And the Patriots get in third in very reasonable situations, which makes it much easier uh, for Tom Brady then to convert on third down because he's just 
so accurate. And his receivers, though they're not, you know, the big playmaker types, the guys that are, you know, the Brandon Cooks is, the guys that are flying down the field. They don't have, they're not that type of receiver for the most part, but they are conversion guys. There's guys that can mm-hmm. get separation, get away from that nickel corner, win that one-on-one matchup, uh, and give Tom Brady a place to go with the football, and Tom Brady just doesn't miss. And so that is their uh, sort of blueprint for success is now, you know, run the football. They've changed that style. They got that fullback. Of course, I, I love the use of the fullback. I know, uh, you know, at Barstool Sports and whatnot, they talk about the fullback is back, you know. And, <laughs> uh, but the, the, the part about the fullback, which is interesting, is that it really comes down to third downs. And a lot of times they're not even the game on third downs. But, you know, them getting to helping the offense get to a more reasonable third down situation. I think what Brady's really proving, and he has over his whole career, but even more so now because he doesn't have Randy Moss beating guys, double coverage and things like that, is every defense has a weakness. I mean, and if it didn't, everyone would run that scheme. I mean, it's something I've told you guys out there listening for a long time. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're on a 3-4 or whatever, cover two, whatever it is. There is a weakness in every defense. And the Brady-Belichick... McDaniels, um, continuity, they just know exactly where to go, and then he's the conductor of the symphony, puts everybody in the right place, and beats that respective defense. They have seen everything uh, over the course of the last basically two decades now in New England, so every single thing a, a defense throws out there, they have an answer for. Every single thing an offense is doing defensively, they have an answer for. Now, for the players, a lot of the players... It might be, you know, one of the first times they've seen that certain look. But the coaches uh, and the quarterback and Gronkowski at this point in time, they, they've pretty much seen all the different looks and they know how to then you know, run the right plays to, uh, to, ba- to, to, to go against those looks. I mean, you even see those, those runs on the goal line the other day. You know, Kansas City, they're going to protect those A-gaps. They went four defensive linemen all inside the tackles really protecting the, you know, the, whether it's a quarterback sneak or some mm-hmm. sort of inside run. And then uh, the, the Patriots running then off tackle as an outside of the, the left or right tackle and in between uh, Gronkowski, and that's where the holes were. Uh, and so they just have all the looks sort of perfected in the, in the, in the run game schemes. Dante Scarnecchia, man, uh, I, I could talk about him. Uh, all day. I think he's the greatest line coach ever to, to coach uh, in the NFL. I, I think he's a Hall of Fame type of assistant. Yes. Uh, and he is one major, major reason why, again, the, the Patriots run the football well. They protect Tom Brady. I mean, he's protecting his statue back there, and he wasn't knocked down in that football game. I know. Against, amazing. Again, that can't, can't say Chiefs pass rush, which is, gave, gave a lot of teams trouble this year. Yeah, led the league in sacks. And I think there was one time he may or may not have been touched. Depends what stout, you know, stat calculator was figuring it out. But his jersey was clean. I mean, it, it's amazing. And not to mention, they ran the ball a ton, but they ran a ton of snaps. And that's becoming a trend. You know, you go back to that Falcon Super Bowl, how dead the defense was at the end of the game. The Chiefs in overtime and really in the fourth quarter. I mean, they... They run so many plays and such long drives that they just beat the crap out of defenses. Yeah, slowly, methodically. Yeah. Belichick had it figured out in that game. Listen, there's no magic formula to slow down Pat Mahomes as far as there's no magic, uh, I should say, coverages. Uh, You know, you, you play man, you play zone, you play too high, you play this. Pat Mahomes seems to just make it happen. He's been doing it all year. The best way to slow it down is a different, you know, team formula 
which is ground and pound and conversion on the offense. The Patriots played it perfectly to a T of how they won that football game. To be honest with you, the Patriots had no business winning that game. No, the they're Kansas not half Chiefs, as talented. Kansas State Chiefs have more talent. They've got oh, more yeah. weapons on offense. Same uh, with the Rams. They've got a great de- yeah, they got a great defensive line. But Belichick with that style, again, Dante Scarnecchia, an offensive line that I couldn't even really tell you any of the guys' names right. along that line, but they just work so well together to keep the quarterback clean. Again, staying on pace for first downs ahead of the sticks, and then you got the GOAT converting all those uh, key first downs. Uh, and to get that, and that keeps Patrick Mahomes uh, and that offense off the field. 43 and a half minutes to 19 and a half minutes or something like that. That That's was crazy, the time yeah. possession uh, a challenge in that football game. Uh, the, the, the Chiefs ran 40, 45 plays, something around there, and, and the Patriots 94. And it was still uh, an overtime football game. Usually when it's that unbalanced, it's a blowout. And I'm mm-hmm. talking you know, 17, 21 points in the NFL, which is a blowout. That's what it usually is when the when the plays and the time possession is that unbalanced. No, you're 100 percent right. And you know Brady did throw that pick in the end zone, and maybe the game would have gone differently if he hadn't. But still, I mean, the, give the Chiefs credit; they did hang around. Boy, but uh, just an impressive, methodical, like you said, Im- impressive performance by Brady's offense. Um, we're going to take another break. Really good talk there about the Pats and the Rams, and we'll be doing that, of course, over the next two weeks. You got to check out Locked On Rams, Locked On Patriots. I had those hosts on. Uh, Sunday night. I mean, those guys really know what they're talking about. Good stuff there. So check out the rest of the Locked On Network. We'll be back in a minute with a couple other topics just to wrap this thing up. All right, Sage. I asked you before we went on the air if you were invited to the Shrine Game or the Senior Bowl or any of those things. And you were a participant in the Senior Bowl as a prospect coming out of school. And as a scout, I mean, first of all, I'm not sure everybody knows this. You know, like... The scouts get down there before weigh-ins, and they pretty much leave after the last practice. They don't even stick around for the games. They get that game film, and they watch it, but it's all about sitting there watching practices, interviewing players at night, um, quarterbacks in particular. You want to see their leadership. I'm a big believer that if I'm scouting a quarterback, I want to see him throw live, that there is value to watching the ball come out of his hands live as opposed to on tape. You know, and then there's, what, eight quarterbacks down there right now, six or eight quarterbacks down there now. You get to see these guys throw against, you know, next to each other and how they interact. What was the experience like for you at the Senior Bowl? And if you flipped it around as a scout, what would be some things you're looking for, particularly from quarterbacks? Well, it's it, it's different than it is now. And, and mm-hmm. first, you know, my practices weren't on TV. The game was. Right, the practices right. were not. <laughs> right. um, the weather was nasty when I was there. It was seemed to be about 40 degrees and, and raining both practices. So they were not ideal conditions for real quick the quarterbacks. The weather but, down there isn't usually as nice as people think. Just because it's Alabama, it's still January and it's often windy and rainy and nasty. I mean, it's not as wonderful as you think. And I don't believe they have an indoor. No, 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 uh, no. They, they didn't back then. So, uh, you know, first, here's how it goes. The first I was invited to the Shrine game, I believe, the East-West Shrine mm-hmm. game. And, and I had said yes. And then later on in my college season, I got invited to the Senior Bowl. Uh, and usually you just play in, in one. And if you're going to play in a bowl game, the Senior Bowl is the best one. So then I went back to the Shrine game. By the way, not unusual. They weren't upset. That's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. I said that I'm going to play in the Senior Bowl game. So. 
playing the senior bowl game to go down to mobile. And, and yeah, as you said, a lot of interviews, uh, you know, it's sort of a mix of the combine and, 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 and the senior bowl, because you're doing a lot of the same things that the, you know, you're doing the measurements and the interviews and, and people are trying to grab you here and there, uh, to, to chat with you in particular, the quarterbacks. And, you know, sure when you go out and throw, as you, as you said, I like to see the quarterbacks compete in those practices. I like to see them control the offense, know where to go with the football, uh, you like to, you know, listen, when you do the private workouts or the combine workouts, it's not competitive. You sort of know what's going to happen. You got, you know, the drills that, you know, the receivers are going to be. You sort of rehearsed this uh, for weeks on end leading up to those private workouts. But this is different because you got one on ones going on. How does the quarterback throw in the one on ones when the receivers are getting beat up? You know, can you stay on his back foot and yet still be accurate and, and you know, really see everything? everything live again as you said see those leadership things with its team see how he controls the offense see how he plays uh in the spotlight i mean you literally have every coach in the nfl is there every coach every gm every scout it's it really is like a convention of the nfl almost more than anything else there is other than maybe the combine which is everyone's coming but everyone comes to the combine too but coaches are coming going you know the o-line coaches don't stay for the entire whatever it is, eight, nine, ten days of the combine. They they're come for those three. Drills. Yeah, they're right. going for the three, four days that the D linemen are there, then they leave. And then mm-hmm. the same with the quarterback's coaches and running back's coaches. Everyone sort of comes for a certain – this deal at the Senior Bowl, everybody is there for those practices. Uh, and, and you have to – you know, they literally stand all around the field in the stands, and, and they get to really see up close and personal uh, each one of these guys. And so there's a lot of pressure there. You know as well, and how you perform underneath that pressure, and and uh, yeah, so it's a great opportunity for for NFL teams to get that first look of a lot of guys that be drafting the first couple rounds. Yeah, and I'm excited. I am going to watch the practices pretty much as soon as we hang up here and really start to dig into my draft prep. And we are going to have more draft stuff going forward, folks. Um, and one more other note about the Senior Bowl that there's a lot of unemployed coaches down there too, out there looking for jobs and a bunch <laughs> yeah. of resumes handed out. And it's almost like beggar's banquet in some ways too. There is some sadness to it of, of this, this awful business at times. Um, it's a question along those lines though. If how hard was it for you, you get to a new place, you really don't know anyone, maybe a couple guys here and there, but you're no familiarity with your receivers and the first practice, like I said, people are staring at every throw of every practice. How hard is it to get, quote, on the same page with your pass catchers? Oh, yeah. It's, it I bet it's hard. Right. Especially, it's a, it's How fast is this degree, guy? Right. 40 degrees and raining. And you wind. Know, it's right, easy. yeah. And, and, you know, some colleges run more pro-style offenses, and a lot of these colleges now, they don't even go under center. So this might be the first time in a while uh, you know, they've gone under center. My guess is that there's a couple of these guys who are consistently in shotgun in college, probably spent a lot of time with maybe a private quarterbacks coach or somebody over the course of the last, uh, you know, month or whatever, when the college season ended, trying to get as many reps as possible from center, you know, whether it's drop back or some sort of play action or whatever, but really trying to make that footwork really comfortable. You don't want to go into this, uh, into the senior bowl, the combine, not not doing much center work because most NFL teams are under center, you know, about half the time or so. So I, I, there's a, it's a very new experience. You're learning a new offense. You may, you know, there's a million systems out there. 
Uh, the nice thing is that defensively, there's basically no blitzing from what I remember. Right, right, and they, right. I think they always I play cover two much, or right. They, yeah, they, I think they pretty much have to play single safety. Okay. Uh, so you're getting those, uh, you know, the, you just sort of know what you're getting. You're, everyone pretty much plays either man-to-man or cover three, I think, or something. So you sort of get, you sort of know what you're getting yourself into a little bit, which gives you, a, obviously, a better chance to be successful. So, yeah, it is very, very challenging not knowing the speed of guys not knowing how the guys come out of the routes. Uh, I had Chad Ochocinco hmm. uh, as uh, Chad, the former Chad Johnson <laughs> right. uh, as a receiver. And, and I remember watching him in the, I think, the Fiesta Bowl. They just killed Notre Dame and going like, holy cow, that is an NFL wide receiver. You know, I first saw <laughs> right. him sure, yeah. running out there, you know, wearing the, wearing the short tights, you know, something he couldn't really do in college, you, you know, like Jerry Rice <laughs> uh, or Terrell Owens. And, and, but they're seeing those legs in like a gazelle. He was shot out of a cannon coming off the ball, and the way he—I can throw to that guy. Feet. Yeah, I can throw. Yeah, man, holy cow! <laughs> uh, the guy was incredible. And Quincy Morgan, a Pittsburgh Steeler, mm-hmm. uh, for a little bit, he was my other wide receiver from Kansas State. And that's sort of like what you were saying. I didn't know Quincy Morgan, but competed against the guy at Kansas State and saw him play many times uh, in, in college, and sort of had an idea of what I was getting myself into. So yeah, it's a challenge from you know getting the getting the snaps from center. Uh, I may have had the best O-line in the history of the Senior Bowl. Uh, I had a kid named Hamilton who was, I think, one like the center of the year. Center, yeah, a little bit smaller you know, guy, I remember. Yeah, won, won like the Outland Trophy or whatever. I don't, know, I don't even know what the, the award is for best offensive lineman uh, in, in college football. My left guard was Steve Hutchinson. Wow. Uh, my left guard was Jeff Backus, who played for mm-hmm. a long First round time. pick, yeah. Uh, yeah, all these guys were first round picks. Uh, Kareem McKenzie mm-hmm. uh, was my right tackle from Penn State. And I believe Maurice Williams um, was uh, was my right guard. So I you know, I had a couple of these Michigan guys, and I was like, man, I, now I see why Brian Greasy won a national <laughs> Right, these guys. These- Awesome offensive line playing the uh, Senior Bowl. So. Hutchinson and back is blocking for you, throwing to Ocho Cinco. This isn't so bad. Yeah, this, this ain't so bad. <laughs> so yeah, you're you're definitely uh, just sort of shot into a world of great, great college players and a lot of first round draft picks. And last topic I want to bring up to wrap the show is one of the absolute stars on Sunday who's getting a lot of buzz was Tony Romo in in the booth, and he's my favorite guy to listen to and. As long as I've been doing this, I still learn something from Tony every time he broadcasts. And I, I, I want to get your perspective on this because you sent a really good tweet out. But I do think there's some overreaction. You know, that I couldn't, I'm not going to pretend like I could do what Romo does and call out plays before they happen. But if you're a quarterback as long as him and you're able to sit in the booth and by the way, that's why defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators hang out in the booth. I mean, it's a different perspective. It's not like being on the field. You're not getting hit. You're, it's not, it's a, you know, you're not at ground level viewing things. But correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your tweet spoke volumes. He's not the only quarterback that could do exactly what he's doing. I mean, what he's doing is fun, but it's not unique. If Peyton Manning was sitting up there, Marino, yourself, I mean, anyone that played for a long time, you start to get a pretty good feel of how what plays are going to be run. Well, especially if you played recently. You know, yeah, I right, right, right. The challenge of like Dan Fouts or even Aikman, who played mm-hmm. a long time ago. You know, the game has changed a lot, and and you know, there's all these checks and balances and checks and kills and uh, you know, you know all, all these audibles and and as a quarterback, if stand up in that booth, one Romo has watched probably the last 
four games of each team. So you're seeing those personnel groups, you're seeing those tendencies. Uh, you see when they're in, you know, when Gronk is off the ball there and then he goes to the audible, then Gronk formations. You've seen that multiple times. You've mm-hmm. probably seen that 15 times uh, over the course of the last four games. And so, and you might have uh, talked I, I, to Gronk about it before the game. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> right. talked about some of these concepts on, on Saturday night when they have their production meetings and, and uh, you know, those things can last for a long, long time. And so listen, as a quarterback, all you do is watch film and you just sort of look for the weaknesses in defense. And as you said earlier, every defense has weaknesses. It's man. It's their certain weaknesses or teams play cover to their certain weaknesses, different fronts have weaknesses in the way you run the football and with pass protection. So there's, there just is in football, there's a weakness with every style of defense. So as a quarterback, you're constantly looking for what that is. And when you see for certain formations, you see Gronk out wide, uh, you know, man, to man zone, whatever it might be. Uh, it, it's, it's not that hard to have an idea of where the quarterback probably wants to go with the football or what mm-hmm. he's going to try to do with the football. My, it drives my kids nuts when I'm watching games. I'm like, all right, run to the left, run to the right. Uh, you know, this is probably going to be a pass. Uh, they're like, how do you know that? Like, well, this is, this is all you do the entire time. And then when you watch all these certain teams and the, listen, we've all uh, watched so many Patriots games with this offense, with uh, with what Gronk does with those, you know, those motions and things. They have done that hundreds and hundreds of times over the course of the, you know, the last uh, you know two decades. And obviously Romo has seen that time and time again. And you just start to get a really good feel for what teams do. So it's, it isn't, it's not that hard if this is what you've been trained to do for basically most of your adult life to see what you know, teams or you know, offensive teams are trying to do. When Gronk has a one-on-one matchup with a safety out there, it doesn't take a genius to go, <laughs> right. I think Brady wants to throw the ball to Gronkowski on this play. And that's what, that's what happened twice in the game. Or a linebacker follows him, you know, back when he was really, really dynamic. Or you see Kelsey alone with a big, heavy middle linebacker. The ball's going there. You know, right. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you see this week, if you see Aqib Tlaib on Gronk, on Gronk, on Gronk uh, out wide, I'd probably say, okay, he's got one-on-one, but he's got Tlaib on him. I bet you he goes somewhere else. This you know, is a James White player, right, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and in, the, in the, I remember the the fade to Gronk, and I've seen this on Twitter a few times, you know, basically here's the deal. When Gronk's out wide, if he's one-on-one and it's bump, you're probably going to go towards Gronk, whether it's a slant or a fade or whatever it might be. If there's a safety high and over the top, now you have Edelman working the inside guy one-on-one because, again, Gronk has taken two. Edelman's probably going to have inside leverage and have that matchup on some sort of outbreaking route or an option route or something. And so, you know, that's where Brady's mind is. Like sometimes it, you, you simplify things. And if I got a one-on-one matchup, I take it. If they double the outside guy, now I have one-on-one on the inside. Again, whether it's an outbreaking route or some sort of crossing route, where, where that's where Edelman is just so good of giving uh, his quarterback that extra yard of space to, to go with the football. And Brady just does not miss. His accuracy is impeccable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I uh, loved hearing your perspective on that, and I enjoy our, our Tuesdays every week. Um, yeah, it's a great way of looking at it. And, of course, Brady's, like our former conversation, Brady's always going to attack it. He's never going to turn down the gift that the, the defense gives you. It, it's it, it's never a perfect defense. And when he detaches Gronk, and like you said, two guys are leaning that way, that means somebody else has a favorable matchup. Like, no matter what you do, the answer is not right against a mind like Brady. In particular, when uh, Josh McDaniels does a great job of putting two 
big time threats on the same side of the football field, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's what, that's what he does on those types of plays. You put Edelman on one side of the slide, you put Gronk out wide or the other way around. Uh, and, and you can't double them both generally. And if you do, that means both safeties are playing all the way over there. And man, you've got unbelievable matchups with no help on the other side. And, and Hogan's a, a fast guy who can get down the field. So the Patriots, they simplify the game so much in a way but they do such a great job of the fine, fine details of that simplification, uh, and they just execute at a high level. And again, they they stay ahead of the sticks. No negative plays in that football game. Unbelievable. Uh, on a on kneel down, uh, and again, you know, third and threes, third and fours. Yeah, Tom Brady is going to convert a lot of those as they were, you know, thirteen of nineteen in that game. Yeah, great point. And. You, know, you see Sean Payton do that with Kamara and Thomas, put the line them on the same side of the field, and it really makes it difficult on people. Another great point, Sage. Um, this was a blast. Next week we'll talk more Super Bowl breakdown. Uh, thanks so much. Everyone needs to tune in tomorrow. I got Mike Renner coming, then we got Mike Sando on Thursday, and maybe we'll do like a, t- a Twitter session on Friday this week since we're not picking games. But that is a wrap. Over and out.